We're three nice dudes having fun. We got warm bubble water on our buns. I love this spa, and that's a fact. But if I stay too long, I get a pruny back. What's up, pig floopers, and welcome to another episode of Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon, and with me as always are Kevin Ford and Justin Houston. And as we're starting Season 5 recaps today, we are joined by the Entertainment Weekly Community Sites Adventure Time contributor, Riley Trahan. What's up, Riley? Hey, I'm happy to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Wonderful! (laughs) How are you doing? I'm great. Riley, I've noticed lately, maybe in the past year or two, we've seen that Uh, Adventure Time has gotten a lot of respect and a lot of coverage on websites like Entertainment Weekly and the AV Club and the New Yorker. Emily Nussbaum on the New Yorker saying that Adventure Time was probably the best show on television. As someone who writes about the show, what can you attribute uh, Adventure Time's new respect to? I think a lot of it is the show finding, developing, and becoming comfortable with its own voice. I think that in the first couple of seasons, while it was a great show, I think it might have felt some kind of loyalty to what people expected it to be or what niche it was expected to fill. And I think in the later seasons, especially I think through season five, it very much found its own footing and is now just doing what it wants to do. And I think people like that confidence. And I think that the fan base has really gravitated towards that. Justin, you have had last week had a bit of an issue with some of the new direction. Not necessarily. I, I don't think that you had a problem with it in terms of your own tastes, but maybe uh, the overall audience tastes uh, with the new direction that Adventure Time's gone in the last two seasons. What do you think? Do you think that the, the show finding its niche and this being its niche is good, or do you think it's alienating the kiddies? Well, I, I should start off by saying that uh, I think it's awesome that it's actually not that it was going to get canceled, but it's been renewed. So after the season that we're on, which will probably go 700 episodes, there will be another season after that. So that's always good news because you never know in the entertainment industry when someone's just going to cut you off. Um, So that's good news. They announced that at Comic-Con. I think that the previous seasons gave them license as they, as they got progressively sort of more outside the box to build an expectation that you can stay outside the box. I, I think anyone that confused or thinks this came out of nowhere, that this season or the, at the end of past season, things just got so weird. It's not that much weirder than what they've always been doing. What they've always, it's just a different sort of element, a different place outside the box. Um, my complaint is that they jam too much stuff in, in single episodes. I like to spend time, but I think the larger issue that some other people have had that, that I, that I, my understanding was that it just, um, it didn't, people just want that, you know, want that adventuring aspect to come back. They don't feel like it's as, as much an adventuring show as it was. It certainly doesn't cater to kids as much as it did originally. So that's an aspect. I would say that just from my own personal level, I just want to spend, I don't cram so much into 11 freaking minutes. You're allowed to talk about pickles for a little while. Definitely. When I do the write-ups on on the site, I feel sometimes feel like what I write is longer than like the script for the show must have been. Just because you're trying to recap so much at one time. And so much happens in one episode, especially when you have to explain it to somebody who might not have seen previous episodes. You're like, okay, so there's this guy, and he has this crown, and he shoots ice powers, right? So then him and his buddies, they all get in a bus. You know, it's just there's so much you have to say that sometimes I do feel that way. There's a lot in the show. But 
I think I'd rather have more than less. I th- I think uh, they do well with less. I think they've proven that they can actually um, sustain a story on very thin premises at times too. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say I prefer it, but I don't get left with that feeling of uh, just that slight feeling of disappointment. I don't dislike the episode per se, but the ones I mentioned specifically, Betty and something big, I just it felt bloated it felt really bloated and because of that i felt a little bit like we could have gotten more time here there's no reason that we couldn't have gotten more time there well you guys will have to have me back when you actually do recap something big and the part of the season that we're on now because i think i think something big is coming up in terms of the plot of the show i think we're about to see something huge happen so once you guys get back to where the show is now i want to come back on and talk about that for sure yeah, I want to know what you're episode. talking about now. <laughs> That'll be some spicy off-air conversation for sure. Yeah, I think we can all at least agree then that the running time of Finn the Human and Jake the Dog was appropriate. And really the first time that Adventure Time delved into, maybe the second time after uh, it came from the Nightosphere and Daddy's Little Monster, or Return to the Nightosphere and Daddy's Little Monster, uh, that the show delved into something, a, a story this epic and long. Um, although I guess this is a three-parter, but let's 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 get into it. I'm going to try to do this economically because there's a lot to say about these two episodes. And we did a dry run a minute ago, and I, I think I said too many things. So let's, let's do this upright ways. Finn and Jake follow the lich into the dimensional hole that he created in his eponymous episode. And they find him in the center of the universe with Prismo, the pink shadow. And he's laughing, and he's sent away, and Prismo reveals that the lich has wished for the end of all life in the universe, and his wish has been granted. And they ask how to stop this from happening, and he said, make a wish that undoes it. So um, Finn wishes for the Lich to have never existed. And this creates a world where the Lich never existed, and because of that, Ooh doesn't exist. Earth is still essentially Earth. The mushroom war was stopped by Simon Petrikov freezing the mushroom bomb, the hydrogen bomb that mutated all life, uh, on Earth and created Ooh. Marceline's still around, but she looks a little bit less cartoony, and Finn is much less cartoony, as we saw at the end of The Lich. Uh, he, he does have his mechanical arm, and he does have Jake the dog, but Jake the dog is strictly a dog. And Finn's dad is in a lot of trouble. The Destiny gang is going to beat him up if they don't pay them off. So he goes to sell his donkey in town. And on his way, he finds Marceline and uh, the Ice King underneath the ground. And he steals the Ice King's crown, even though Marceline warns while giving the backstory of this new world that the crown has terrible powers. But Finn wants to sell it. So he goes to town to sell the crown, but the Destiny Gang is there, and they steal the donkey and the crown. And while Finn is fighting them, he sees that his house is on fire. So he puts on the crown to try to save the the town from burning with the fire. And in doing so, he becomes mad with power, and he also inadvertently... um, activates the mushroom bomb and releases the power that will become the lich all the while jake is still in the center of the universe with prismo just sort of dicking around hanging out in a jacuzzi and watching what happens uh to finn um on on a screen uh the cosmic owl shows up and wants to play games so that's what they do but all the while amongst talk of relationships and hanging out with your bros jake decides that he's going to save Finn after all and wishes um, for the Lich to have wished for Finn and Jake to go home. They do. The day is saved. And Jake gets a jar of pickles. 
Justin, what do you think? Uh, this episode did a lot. I think I mentioned the, the voice acting in the episode. I think is really it. Uh, it's just as strong as the the story itself, which uh, they both really come together really tight. Um, I I think the voice acting kind of gets because if I remember correctly, they do it Batman style, where everyone's kind of in a room together interacting with one another. Um, maybe not the guest voices. I don't know for sure, but uh, sometimes that I feel like that comes through, specifically the relationship between. Finn and Jake, but um, this time it was just it was just a lot of really good performances. Specifically, Finn's uh, Finn's evolution that that he ends up going through, as well as um, just you kind of have to not relearn who he is, but as you're going through this world, it's it, it's foreign again. It's not something that we're used to. As he sort of guides us through it, we mentioned about there being sort of. Uh, the show tries something, and if fans respond to it, they'll do it bigger and better. And if they respond to that, then they'll just they'll keep building upon that until you know you've sort of found that line. If it ever exists in a show like this, the the Nightosphere episodes was that sort of trial run, and that I think that went over really well. So it gave them license to do these, as you mentioned, these three episodes that were given time, and you got lots of cool stuff in them. This this was a, a special trilogy. Yeah, I really like this. I like seeing this alternate universe where the Lich kind of messes things up and Jake's a real human boy with a family and, uh, you know, how different Marceline and the Ice King are. And this is really another universe, I think, that I'd like to see explored more, perhaps in, like, the comic book or Adventure Time. I think that would be something that wouldn't interrupt the show and people who are really interested to see what goes on in that world could do that if they wanted to see a different story in Adventure Time's telling. Love the Prismo Jake interaction. So funny, so fun. And it didn't really seem like it took away from any of the story either. It was just kind of a fun aside and all that. So yeah, that was really good. I really enjoyed this. I, I did think one thing that was interesting was that how they broke down the episode, right? I mean, our season premiere for season five is called Fin the Human. And your episode two is Jake the Dog, right? And in each of those independent episodes, you see who who Finn is kind of without Jake. I mean, right, like you said, there is a yellow dog named Jake, but it's just a dog, right? And and the whole time that Jake's in Prismo's hideout, he's just Jake, right? He's kind of watching Finn on the TV screen, but he's got it on mute, and he's definitely paying more attention to the Cosmic Owl or to Prismo than he is to to what is going on on the TV. So you, it's, I think, one of the only times, I mean, obviously not the only time, but it's rare that you get to really see these characters develop on their own. I think a lot of the show up until this point has been their relationship with each other and how they build on each other. And I think it was interesting to, in these independent episodes, kind of see who they are and who they could be and what make their individual personalities unique. I thought that was cool. Well, most definitely. Brad, did you find the humor in this episode interesting? I, I did. Thank you for asking. I, I thought that... Uh... That the bit at the beginning where Kumail is worried that he offended, not Kumail, I'm sorry, where Prismo is worried <laughs> that, he, that he offended Finn and Jake. Also, Kevin, I love that you're still confusing Finn and Jake's names after all this time. Did I do that again? You did. Son of a bitch bastard. I really liked the bit about worrying about offending them and uh, telling them that he's uh, honorary nasty. Hey, hey, did you guys see that? You know that was a ghost wearing a dead guy. That might be the nastiest thing I've ever seen. No, 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 nasty, nasty jazz. Nasty. Hey, hey, easy, buddy. That's our friend Billy. 
He got possessed by the lich. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean nothing by it. I mean, I have a lot of nasty friends. My uncle was nasty. I'm basically honorary nasty. Just in case that they were nasty aligned and would be offended by him calling the lich nasty. I also liked the adult swim kind of feel to farm world. Like Marceline to me, the way she the way she looked, but even more so the way that she spoke, with a lot of silence in her cadence, that felt very Aqua Teen or Metalocalypse, much more so than it felt like Adventure Time to me, which I thought was cool. I like when they play with, with other um, influences, like, kind of like the way it felt like Beavis and Butthead in the episode um, Who Would Win, and uh, sometimes we get like Ren and Stimpy type stuff. This felt very Adult Swim to me, and I dug that a lot. Yeah, the animation too, I thought was... It was interesting how they chose to represent, you know, the different world, the different timeline with the different art style. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of things that are different, uh, just like in season four, when we had a pretty emotionally taxing season premiere and then were followed that with a clip show, uh, they did it again in season five. Uh, we were given five more short grables. Kevin, tell us about it. Yeah, I got to actually cover the first five short grables. So here we are again. Uh, again, it's five separate stories hosted by Cuber. We try to find a theme amongst them by the end. So in the first story, Jake and Finn are in a bar and they're reading a book. Jake thinks it's about warlocks, but it's actually just like a book of nursery rhymes. And they reenact little Jack Horner thinking it's a spell. But when they pull out their thumbs with the plums and say, what a good boy am I? Nothing happens. They think they're going to turn into good boys. But again, nothing really happens. So they decide to go outside and start sticking their thumbs in random things, saying, what a good boy am I until something happens. And above in the sky, Marceline is watching them and just kind of wonders what's going on. But then thinks better of it and goes away. And she's the subject of our second story where she's uh, looking on a map when she encounters the rock giant playing drums. And she asks him where Wizard Bill's music shop is so she can get a guitar that has the most savory licks and ooh, which I guess Bill is known for. He points all the way into the shop, which actually knocks all the guitars down. And so she then gets on his finger, gets pointed to the shop. And as she's playing guitar in the shop, we look down on the Candy Kingdom, where Jake and Finn are still sticking their fingers and stuff. And they stick their finger into a pie on Tree Trunk's head, which leads us to Tree Trunk story. She hears someone calling out her name off screen. She looks up to see something that kind of offends her. She goes to the banana police and said someone's making a rude face at her. And when the banana police are taking too long to write down her name, she decides to take some matters into her own hands. So she gets cinnamon bun and the gumdrop glasses, some pantyhose filled with newspaper to attack the person. It turns out it was the cranky cookie statue with Shelby on top saying her name the whole time. The banana guard asks her to read her. Is Shelby a him or her? Shelby's a guy. So you asked Shelby to read somewhere else because it was offending tree trunks. Shelby says he gets it and laughs, and that was weird. Anyways, Ice King's flying by the Candy Kingdom, and he's the subject for story four. He tells all the penguins that they're going to have a new mommy. He then asks this drawing of a face on his foot if she'll marry him. Of course, the foot says nothing, but Ice King says that it said yes. So the penguins all drink his happy tears, except for Gunter because he's on a low-salt diet. That was pretty good. Uh, the Ice King is sitting outside, celebrating with his new wife. And we see Finn and Jake are sticking their thumbs in a, in a snowman. And then suddenly his attention gets taken away by his other foot, which has another drawing of a face on it. And he says, uh-oh, thinking he might be falling for that foot instead. So our fifth and final story takes, back, uh, takes us back to the treehouse, where Bimo is talking to himself in the mirror and calling the other person on the side football, and it's a she. He's telling her that she needs to learn manners. And so she talks about things like teaspoons and salt shakers and how to drink tea with your pinky upwards. And the tea causes Pimo to start sparking. Bimo sees Finn and Jake coming back to the house. 
and they're all pretty glum because they spent the whole day and never felt like good boys in the end. So BMO makes them feel good by having them stick their fingers on some um, of his joysticks to play a game called Super Good Boys, and that takes us back to Cuber to tell us the theme. So the obvious theme here is that five fingers were used in all the episodes. Finn and Jake were constantly sticking their thumbs into things. The rock giant uses index finger to play the drums and to send Marceline to the store. Shelby accidentally mimics an obscene gesture when sitting on the middle finger of the statue. Uh, the Ice King does a bit of role-playing and puts the engagement ring on his finger. And when BMO teaches football to drink tea, he holds up his pinky finger extended. But we are told that the theme is five different tastes. Jake ate a sweet plum. Marceline played some savory licks. Tree trunks had a sour taste in her mouth. Gunter wanted to drink the salty tears. And football's tea was bitter. He laughed at the idea that anyone would think the theme was about the five fingers. Because nobody's had five fingers and 20 blablillion grables. And he laughs at that thought to end the episode. What? What's that you say? You thought the theme was the five fingers? Uh, <laughs> don't be silly. Nobody's had five fingers for 20 blabillion glables. <laughs> five telepathy glands, maybe. <sighs> Slimming. Well, anyway, looks like it's that time again. I'll see you crimpy climbers on the trial flumping the dial. <laughs> what did you think, Brad? I want to know how I can grow five, what were they, teleport, tele- telepathic, telekinetic glands? That was pretty funny. I, thought, yes. I think Huber is the best, and if he had been voiced by anyone but Emo Phillips, I, I think they'd be doing it wrong. The other thing that I find really interesting is this is maybe the first glimpse we get into BMO's self-destructive nature, because as, as he keeps drinking the tea... It starts setting itself on fire inside and overheating and sparking, and it obviously doesn't care that this is happening. And this becomes like a much bigger deal and a much more important episode down the line. Be more. Uh, and I'm really geeked about it, and I like that they set the stage for his reckless slash self-destructive for fun attitude here. And aside from that, it was just like a fun, just a fun little episode. The more I think about the way that Ice King dealt with his feet, at first it grossed me out. Feet are something that I'm weird about, but... The more I think about it, like the uh, the second foot that he was attracted to and felt awkward about, that was great. Justin, what would you think? This is the Grables episode I always forget exists. Um, I just, for whatever reason, outside of the Oh, What a Good Boy Am I is a game played around our house um, with myself and Danica, my six-year-old, and uh, basically just taking our thumbs, sticking at stuff, and yelling it as loud as we can. Um, and if she's not paying attention, I'll just stick my thumb in her ear and yell it. And, um, but other than that, it's sort of, I just, I forget everything about this episode. Not a whole lot sticks with me. I think it's fun. There's nothing wrong with it. I I just don't, nothing really sticks to the inner walls of my brains here. I think that's a a fair observation that I think they kind of switch off between these big plot heavy, uh, you know, get in your mind and make you really think about it episodes. And then they'll go to something that's more soft and kind of give you a week off to relax maybe. So this, I think this is definitely one of those episodes, but it, you know, it's fun. And I always like, I always like when you get a whole big cross section of view, you know, I mean, I think sometimes I feel cheated when I get just like an episode that is just the ice King or just Shelby or something like that. So I do like getting to see all the characters and see them interact and stuff. So I like it for that reason. I'm super offended that you're not happy with an episode just about Shelby. It's like the greatest <laughs> character there is. It's freaking Shelby. Yeah, you yeah. just you just named Brad and Justin's favorite character, so good job. <laughs> oh, you should, if you enjoy Shelby, you should check the Entertainment Weekly community site and read my review of the recent Shelby episode. I already did that. Thank Plugged. you. 
plug. That is the most naturally anyone has ever worked a plug into these programs. (laughs) And we'll still let him plug later. Justin, not all of us are as interested in plugging things as you are. (laughs) Oh, what a good boy I am, or am I, or whatever it is. So, Kevin, we've talked countlessly, countlessly, endlessly about my feelings for Up a Tree because of my worship of Mark Maron, but my not super impressedness that is so eloquent uh, with how he handled this episode. Justin, why don't you take us through the episode and then I can get disappointed. Okay. Uh, so the episode starts pretty innocently with uh, a picnic with, um, I think Lady Rady Corn is pregnant at this point and there's food out and everything and they want to play a little bit of the old throwing and catching disc. Um, so Finn goes for his perfect throw and it just immediately sails and lands in a big tree. It lands up a tree. So uh, uh, Jake is like, I'll just go get it for you. And uh, Finn says in like a country Western accent, he says something like, uh, sometimes a man just has to retrieve his own Frisbee. So uh, now it's a whole thing (laughs) instead of a, that's the justification of the episode. So he spends a lot of it climbing up a tree. Uh, he first meets a porcupine, and the porcupine is kind of aggressive and not very helpful, and ends up like pulling little uh, of his little prickly things out and sticking them up his butt. Not up his butt, but like <laughs> into his butt. Um, that dark turn for up a tree. Um, yeah, so... I thought it was kind of weird the porcupine was so adamant about, like, sit on me. Just do it. And I was like, oh, right. It, like, it was really forceful about it, you know? And Yeah, really. And then he just jams it up him. So mm-hmm. bad message, adventure time, but uh, veiled enough, I guess. So he ends up, but he ends up turning it into a positive. Uh, and he pulls the little pointy things out of his butt and he uses it as to, like, to climb up the tree. And then he gets tired again and there's a squirrel. And the squirrel says, here's an apple. And Finn says, no. So the squirrel jams the apple inside of him, in his mouth. Uh, and so it Jesus, shrinks Justin, him. you're really getting... No, I don't uh, know what you're talking what? about. I'm talking about up a tree. So um, so he's a tiny now, and which makes it that much harder. And so he's... I think he still has the porcupine needles. Uh, so he uses those still uh, to climb the tree. And what you get, uh, if I remember correctly, is... Well, Jake comes and says, I can just get it for you. And he's like, no! So he's climbing it, and you get one of the best DVR moments that you can have where you get just a series of how the seasons change in the tree. I don't really know what happens there. Um, It's sort of not explained. But he goes through some stuff, some interesting landscapes, video game-esque type structure here, like one long upwards corridor uh, that he's going through. So lots of pausing and going, oh, that's amazing and beautiful. So he ends up seeing the squirrel again, and the squirrel, um, he's yelling at him, and the squirrel either doesn't pay attention or Finn says something like, must not have, could have hurt him or something like that. So he follows him, and there's a bunch of animals there, and the animals are being all secretive and conspiry, and Finn sees his uh, frisbee. And he exclaims, he's like, oh, my frisbee. And they turn around and they put him in tree jail. So now he's up a tree in tree jail. And he gets the squirrel's attention. And this this squirrel is very neurotic. 
um, hence the guest voice actor, and uh, isn't really always sure of himself and doesn't really want to be a part of this sort of cadre of animals that have come together and, and done craziness with the tree. And it's pretty obvious uh, at this point that every step in the tree, these animals were trying to stop uh, Finn from getting up this tree with the, the pointy things in the butt and uh, the apple going inside him. So it's um, so he wants to get out of there. And he talks to the squirrel into letting him, not even letting him out. He just says, uh, would you go with me? And the squirrel's like, would I take someone with me? Yes. And so he just kind of walks out of jail. So they get the disc, and the other animals are really offended. And so, and but it doesn't really matter because he just sort of raspberries them. And they're running toward a branch, and he says, you're a flying squirrel, right? And the squirrel says, yeah, well, yes and no. And they just lunge out of the tree anyway. Um, and what happens with the... Oh, that's right. He throws the disc to land on it. And again, it just goes sailing away. Like it did the first time. Um, so they jump and they're going to fall to their deaths. And instead, the frisbee catches them at the last second so they don't die. And they just sort of fly for a little while... And they see Jake, and I think Jake says something like the perfect throw or something like that. And uh, they just sort of ride into the sunset. What's your problem with this episode? Okay, so I just got done saying, I don't really have a problem with the episode. I think the episode is fine. And I've actually softened my criticism of it since watching it again right before we came on just now. But, okay, I just got done saying that Emo Phillips is perfect for the role of Prismo. And Matthew Broderick was amazing in his short little role as the Dream Warrior. And Kamal Nanjiani was excellent as Prismo. And these just seem like really natural and well-cast voices. Kevin can attest, there is literally no one on this planet that I respect more than Mark Maron. You are Mark Maron. And and I actually may be Mark Maron. He's so miscast as the squirrel. The only part that works is the part when Finn's in jail and, and the squirrel can't decide what to do yet. Do I want to do this? Yes. Do I want to do this? No. Are you a prisoner? Yes. Will you ever be free? No. In the tree, part of the tree. It's very simple. Doesn't that mean you can't leave the tree either? No, I, well, yes and no. Am I allowed to leave the tree? No. Have I already left the tree? Am I miles away from the tree right now, flying around like the flying squirrel that I am? Yes. In my mind, in my mind. Do you like it here? Yeah. Well, yes and no. Do I like the nuts and acorns? Yes. Do I like it when they put me down and say mean things like, you're not a flying squirrel, you're just a regular squirrel. Nyeh. No. Do I want to fly away from this place now? Yes. Would I make a break for it if I had a buddy to break out of here with? Yes. Hey, buddy. What? Let's get out of here. That was the only Marinesque thing. But the, the whole scene with the apple felt like he just didn't know what he was doing. Now, Marin has had Tom Kenny on his podcast, and in it he talked about, they talked about how Kenny mentions that he does the voice of her ice King on Adventure Time, and Marin chimes in and goes, oh, I did that, I was a squirrel. And for one thing, I know Marin doesn't like cartoons, and I'm sure he never, well, he probably watched this because he's obsessed with himself, but I bet he was uncomfortable, and he has no real acting uh, experience. So, I, I, and I'm also like, my, I hear his voice almost every day, so I expect something else out of him and i just felt that he was not the squirrel like the squirrel didn't it wasn't the right character for him but i love that scene with him and finn in the jail i thought that was amazing like that was perfect marin so like the part he's climbing the tree 
like the apple, it does feel like he was just like reading lines off a piece of paper. Yeah, that, that and that's so. When I initially watched it, I was like, yes. All I can remember is the part was like, here's an apple. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh great, I'm happy. But then when I watched it just now, I was like, okay, the jail scene's better. I'm not so put down by the episode, but it's it's I still don't. It's just not my favorite. It sounds like it wasn't mis. I mean, when you're trying to cast a neurotic squirrel in a cartoon series, I mean, why wouldn't you think of? It's like uh, Marin or Jason Alexander. Like those are you two. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, so I think Jason Alexander might have been a better choice, if only because <laughs> I hate to say this about my guy, but it just is not that good of a voice actor. Mm. Like he, he sounded like he was putting it on. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know Marin's work a whole ton. I've heard him interviewed, and I've watched his show only a couple times on IFC. I, I did. I will even go as far as to say I thought that the squirrel who fed. Uh, fed being the word used for when someone puts food inside your body, Justin. Um, I thought that uh, when the squirrel fed him the apple in the tree, I thought that was actually a different character from the squirrel in the jail, just because I felt like they came across very differently. So I, I think I do agree with that assessment. I guess that's that's where you, you wonder whether it's, I mean, is it just the performance? or is it Because I talked earlier about how uh, sort of underappreciated the voice work is and how... Maybe they've just struck gold and getting a lot of people in, in, in a lot of parts. Whereas here, I mean, I, I see what you mean about it being very sort of wooden, but um, I, I don't know. It, it either didn't bother me or could an aspect be that you hear him all the time? Yeah, that's what I thought at first. But then when I watched it this time, it was the first scene didn't sound. It, it sounded like he was read, like Kevin said, it sounded like he was reading words off a piece of paper. And the second scene sounded like he was a little bit more comfortable. I wonder if that's it, though, because I will say I I love Donald Glover. I have followed his music career really closely, and I loved him when he was on Community, and I got really into his work. And when he was on the show, it threw me a lot because I just wasn't I wasn't used to hearing him do the voice of a guy who's trying to uh, seduce Marceline the Vampire Queen. So that like I just was out of my element when I saw that the first time. So it's really weird if he seduced Marceline the Vampire Queen. It would Since be... he is Marceline, the Vampire Queen. Oh, I'm sorry. Who is that? Who... Uh, Fiona. Yes. You're right. I'm it's, sorry. It's, Kevin, it's, you're not alone. It's yeah, That's true. It's tough to... um, I, I guess it's just tough to take disappointment when two things that you really, really like come together and don't give you like a big home run. It just It's just a bitter pill you don't want to swallow. Yeah, it, it bummed me out. And I, and I have a feeling he'll never come... I doubt he'd do the show again. The character is not that important. And, Unless he's like uh, trying to sleep with Maria Bamford, and she happens to be in the studio, and she asks him to do it. Like that's uh, they have right. a lot of really good chemistry. I wouldn't be surprised. Because I'm sure he had um, no idea what even Adventure Time was when he came to do the show. He's like, "What I'm doing? A cartoon squirrel? Okay, whatever." Yeah, I wonder how he got in. I bet, I bet Bamford got him into it. Right. Your depiction of Marin, by the way, is that of a drifting hobo with a podcast. That's about right. Why is just that? a person that just like shows up in society is like. What are we doing and how are we doing it? <laughs> I, yeah, that, actually, that, well, I don't know if I would call that a drifting hobo, but I do, in my mind, I see him showing up to a place and be like, what's the deal here? He's just going to be good? He's not even hired. He just like walks into a recording studio. He's like, I guess I'm doing the squirrel. Right. Like someone's going exactly. to be here. So, <laughs> oh, This is an interesting way to end the podcast. <laughs> we still have <laughs> loads more. The squirrel and the, or not the squirrel. The snail. The snail. snail. That's it. Kevin, tell us about some snails. All right, so in Finn the Human, he's on the ground of the bazaar, 
when Finn is trying to sell Simon's crown. But the snail is not facing the camera, nor is it waving. So that's pretty weird. In uh, Jake the Dog, there's that piece at the end where they show all the jewels being returned to the proper royal folks. And the snail is outside of Hot Dog Prince's house when her jewels are returned. In Five More Short Grables, he's sitting on top of an amplifier in Wizard's Bill, excuse me, Wizard Bill's music shop. And in Up a Tree, he's part of the narrative at the end when he waves to Finn and the squirrels they fly by on the disc. And that's the snail search for this week. Awesome. Real quick. I guess maybe not real quick. There were some great, great voices in this week's batch. Ming-Na Wen, who you might know from the Avengers TV show that's terrible, is Finn's mom. You could not be more wrong about that. About the show being terrible? Yes! You jumped off the ship too early! No! No! Did you stop watching? I stopped watching. This This is what happens. People stopped watching before the winter break, and then they're like, the worst show of all time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah. I, I, this is my defense for this. You can tell me that something's great. I just, and I guess I already sat through the bad stuff, but I don't think it's fair to ask people to sit through so, six so, episodes of garbage to get to something good. No. But we've talked about this on this show already, haven't we? Well, Maybe not. Well, so, okay, I am totally with you. A show that I will not watch is Breaking Bad. because oh, dude. Because here's what people say to me. They, I've tried to watch it before, and people say it's three not that great seasons, one pretty good season, and one great season. I and I... And I say every time, I'm not going to watch three awful seasons of TV to watch, what's his name, say, I am the one who knocks, right? Like, that, I'm fine. I can just watch that on YouTube. The thing that happened with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was that, did you see Captain America, the second yeah. one? The new one? Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, what happened in that movie had implications for the TV show, right? Yeah. yeah. And all the cool stuff they wanted to do on the TV show, they had plans for after that movie came out. And so, like, before... Winter Soldier, they're just like, um, here's the thing this week. And then, I mean, it's kind of a one-off. And But then after Winter Soldier, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got so good. So I mean, uh, I think my girlfriend's going to break up with me. So if I have more time on my hands, maybe I'll watch it. Gotcha. There you go. That's always, yeah, there's a solution. There we go. But I will, wait, what did I want to say about that? Probably nothing. Oh, uh, Breaking Bad. I, I'm going to frame it in a different way. I think the first season is really good and really short. The second season is where some people had problems because it, it moves a little slowly. But I think already season three is great. I got to the episode where cause I like tried to binge it like on a plane or something. Mm-hmm. And I got to the episode where like Walt like forces his son to like drink tequila at some pool party. That was and, probably in season two. And I don't remember season two that well. Uh, yeah. I So I should go back. And I know a lot of people whose entertainment perspectives I really respect who have said it's a good show and I should watch it. So I'll watch Breaking Bad. You watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Five seasons for um, one. Seems fair. <laughs> there we go. I also need to watch the Mad Max movies now that that Mad Max sport trailer came out. Yeah, same. Um, okay. Kumail Nanjiani was Prismo. So that's fun. James Kyson, who you might know as Hero's sidekick from Heroes, the TV show that also got bad, is one of the Destiny gang. Or sorry, he was Big Destiny. Uh, Eric Bauza, who was Stimpy in the new version of Run and Stimpy, which was also bad, is one of the Destiny gang. And Cloris Leachman was Farmworld Marceline. In Jake the Dog, M. Emmett Walsh, who's been in a trillion movies and is a trillion years old, was the Cosmic Owl. In Five Short Grables, Emo Phillips returns as Cuber. And in Up a Tree, as we said, Mark Marin is the squirrel. And Jim Cummings, who was the voice of Winnie the Pooh, was most of the other characters in the tree. And knowing that, uh, it made watching this episode very interesting because you can hear it completely that he's Winnie the Pooh. And when he was the evil owl, he was like doing his version of the owl voice from the Hundred Acre Woods, which was pretty cool. Justin, plug some stuff if you want. Uh, I have a Twitter. It's at Justin J. Houston. For those who don't know my name, 
Kevin always was like, oh, they don't know your Twitter. It's my name. Um, I write a wrestling column for PW Ponderings um, called Rubbed Raw. It's um, it's filthy and vile, and um, it's not going to change anytime soon. So um, all the other stuff I do with Kevin, so he'll tell you about those. Yeah, so Justin and I also do a podcast on PW Ponderings called Viva Chikara. Comes out about once a month talking about Chikara. I know, weird, right? Uh, you can follow this website on Twitter at PW Ponderings. You can also follow us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, where this show gets published on Mondays. Sundays, typically, if you're uh, subscribing, you get them a little bit earlier. Search for PWP Podcast on both of those. Subscribe to that. You get both Justin and Mine's podcast and this one. And that's pretty awesome. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter, too, at k 13 My icon is the snail. Riley. I'm on Twitter at uh, Multiverse Guide. I also have a, a blog that I run that's guide to the comicbookmultiverse.com, which is all about comic books. I'm also uh, the Adventure Time contributor on the Entertainment Weekly community site, which is probably what most people care about. And those reviews go up on Fridays for the most recent episodes. So if you're watching, I guess, in real time, you can check those out. Also, Riley and I are going to be best friends. True enough. You can find me at Garoongate on Twitter. Like I said last week and the week before, thanks to everyone who bought the Dragon Gate ebooks. If you want to head to Amazon and search my name, Brad Garoon, it'll come up and they're awesome. So please buy them. Uh, you can also find me at Burger Weekly for all things hamburger related. I'm so hungry. I need to go eat dinner. So I'm going to say thank you to Riley for coming by. And uh, we're definitely love to have you back. Absolutely. And- yeah, that'd be awesome. And thank you, all of you, for flooping the pig. I flooped the pig. Mm-hmm.